money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Texas Rias. I'm the founder and host of our meeting tonight, uh, Shanoa Grove. Excited to be here with you and share about 20 years of tribal knowledge about investing here in real estate in Texas and excited to uh, share with you guys a little bit about what I've learned in this uh, time period and excited to spend some time getting to know you guys. So as we go through the meeting tonight, I'm super curious how many of you guys are maybe already working on that first deal or maybe that 10th deal. Who's, who's in my, I see somebody shaking their head. Is anybody working on something right now that, uh, that they're, they're a little stuck on? I'm curious. Anybody a little stuck on any of your deals? No, you're not stuck. You got it going. Okay, perfect. That's okay. Well, I um, want to be sure we spend some time tonight uh, helping some of you guys that might be either stuck on a deal or stuck somewhere in your real estate investing, just sort of know what steps to take next. Uh, so all of you guys have it all figured out is basically what you're saying to no. me. <laughs> all right. So no. Okay. That's okay. Uh, so as we go through the meeting tonight, uh, I'll have an opportunity to maybe help some of you guys, someone who's brave enough to tell me where you're at right now and help you guys work through uh, whatever situation you might be having when it comes to investing in real estate. So one of the things we get to do here is a little bit of live coaching uh, so that you can kind of... Um, unwind and figure out maybe a problem or an issue or some sort of an objection that you might be having right now. Uh, so excited to be here with you all and excited to share what we've learned over these last almost two decades of investing in real estate. Um, our group of investors is all throughout Texas. So uh, we live here, we work here, we invest here. Uh, we've got over 80,000 uh, members, uh, guests, vendors that are part of this association and uh, we serve every major area of the Texas market, so Austin, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. And what that looks like is every Tuesday we get together and we have a live meetup and we share with you uh, what we're experience as, experiencing as real estate investors so uh, that you guys can know what the market right now looks like and what to do next. How many of you guys are excited about where we are in the market? How many of you guys are, how many of you guys are a little scared about where we are in the market right now? Okay, so what are some of the things that are making you nervous? Okay, so a concern of, you know, hey, what if the market changes in the middle of my flip and I can't get out in time and I might lose money? So I think that's a fair concern. I think the market is uh, hitting uh, more than a little bit of uncertainty. So over the last uh, several months, we've seen interest rates go up, which is driving a fair amount of that uncertainty. And it's also driving a reduction in overall sales. It's also driving a fair amount of um, uh, price reductions as well. Uh, so what I will tell you is that now more than ever, when you are deciding on a property to purchase, you need to make sure that your numbers are correct. Uh, so there's something about being a first time real estate investor that usually that's the time that someone will overpay on their investment. And that's actually the last time I would ever want you to overpay on your investment. Uh, and I think the mentality is kind of this be beginner's luck mentality or maybe just watching it on HGTV. But uh, it's, it's always interesting that 
sometimes a new investor will pick the absolute highest ARV, that highest sales prices ever happened in the entire neighborhood and say, I think I'm going to best that by five or 10%, right? And then they'll pick the lowest uh, repair estimate and basically say, I think I can do a little bit even better than this, right? Because I'm a first time investor. So everyone's going to want to pay more for my house. And I'm a first time investor. So of course, I'm not going to have any surprises as I'm going through the remodel because that never happens, right? And of course, the, the project's going to end right on time. In fact, maybe even early. Uh, I've heard some new investors who have told me, well, uh, I, I think I'm going to be able to get the project done and sold even before I need to make my first payment to my hard money lender. And it's like, yeah, think again. That never, ever happens, even with seasoned real estate investors. Uh, although it is kind of funny, I uh, did a loan to a real estate investor recently, and uh, they're asking me for a payoff one month in. Uh, and uh, the reason why they're doing that is because their strategy changed from a buy, fix, and flip. So I gave them a loan to do the entire uh, buy, fix, and flip. I'm paying the uh, uh, renovation part out in draws, so they haven't even asked me for a draw, and they've already got it sold to another uh, another person, and they don't even think they're going to need to make the rest of the draws. So that is an unusual situation. Of all the years I've been lending money, this is the first time that someone said, hey, can I pay you back early? Uh, so that's a rarity, uh, but I will tell you in this market, you do have to be very, uh, very cautious. In any market where there's uncertainty, uh, you will win by being cautious. You will win by being smart. You will win by doing your due diligence. And I feel like that's the case in every market, although I feel like the last, uh, the last uh, two years have taught investors that, hey, even if we make mistakes, the market will save me. Well, we're not in a part of the market that the market is doing any saving right now. So again, because of the interest rate increases are pulling buyers out of the market and are also, because buyers are getting pulled out of the market, we're seeing sales go down. And because of that, we are seeing uh, sellers who are doing what? They are reducing their prices. Now, um, this is, you know, a couple, how many people are, are really worried about the market, like, like where it's going because of interest rates? None of you guys, none of you guys, none of you guys. Okay, good. Uh, so, you know, um, when you're in a rising interest rate market, the thing that you have to worry about is the fact that the number of sales do go down substantially. Uh, but uh, um, usually the, the sales prices are not affected. So year over year, we're still fine. We've got, you know, a five to 10% increase in most of the markets in terms of average price. Now we are not doing as well as we were doing in the springtime uh, and the beginning of the year in terms of those average prices. So uh, that's starting to come down a little bit, but still it looks, it looks really, really great. So a uh, great time to be an investor. You do have to be smart, uh, smarter now and not depend on the market to quote unquote save you, which I think the market saved a lot of people over the last couple of years. But um, when, the, when the prices are flattening out, uh, that, that save uh, doesn't, come, uh, doesn't come as often. And when prices uh, for both labor as well as materials, as well as supply chain shortages are still going on, again, that, that part of the market's not gonna save you. So uh, do your due diligence, do your analysis. As investors, we make our money on the buy. If we buy it right, and then if we repair it correctly and uh, stay on budget and on a good time frame, then we're able to make money, right? But if we don't buy it right and we're digging out from a hole right as soon as we get started, then we're going to be in some sort of trouble. So uh, I, I, I thank you for you know sharing with me that you're a little nervous. I, I totally get that. 
Um, this is a, an, a, this is you know a, a market where um, this is a market we haven't seen before in terms of interest rate increases. Um, uh, at least at least since I've been investing, uh, we haven't seen this level of interest rate increases. This um, both the speed of it as well as the amount of interest rate increases uh, uh, and and just just every time the Fed gets together. So that is uh, more than a little bit unusual for us and that's something that we are watching. Now, I will tell you though that when I first started investing back in 2003, interest rates were between seven and eight percent. So the fact that they're in the sixes now, I know a lot has a lot of people crying a little bit, but I will tell you, um, I've seen it worse, uh, much worse, and some of you guys with gray hair or no hair have seen it maybe even as much as 15 to 18%, right? Uh, so, so that's, I, I don't see that coming, uh, but that's you know, what the kind of worst case scenario could look like. Uh, even in those markets, prices were still doing okay, right? But the number of sales went down. Um, uh, so we do have a Fed chairman uh, who is very aggressive about limiting, slowing down, infl uh, taming inflation. And um, it's going to be at the expense of maybe, you know, obviously we've seen the stock market drop substantially over the last several weeks, um, but we haven't seen any drops in the real estate market in terms of year over year prices. We have seen some uh, drops in terms of uh, first quarter versus uh, second quarter type prices, but still, um, still very strong market. You know, what's interesting about this market versus the market that we had in 2008, 9, 10, and 11 is that in those markets, the homeowners were in, in a lot of trouble because of those higher interest rates. They couldn't um, kind of shift into a backup plan, which is typically buying and holding and renting, right? But because of the loans that have been taken out over the last three years, right? Uh, guess what is now a totally viable option? Being able to hold these properties and being able to cash flow on these properties. So a lot of times I'll say cash flow is uh, cash flow in Texas can for the large cities where the average price is 400 or greater can be a little bit of an oxymoron, right? Those things don't go together. But when you have a low enough of an interest rate, then you can get that cash flow. So if you look at what the market was doing in 08, 09, 10, 11. Um, there wasn't as much opportunity to cash flow unless you put down probably 30 or more percent. And that's why a lot of investors started to go under. Um, now, uh, and even and homeowners started to go under uh, primarily. So uh, that's where we're going to get saved in this market. So if anyone, if you had the opportunity to refinance over the last uh, three years, you probably did, right? Uh, and uh, that's going to help a lot of people be able to withstand whatever interest rate increases come in the market uh, as well. So you're seeing a lot of sellers pull off their houses off of the for sale market and put it on the for lease market. Uh, and we're seeing the number of leases go up substantially. For So for any of you guys that are buy and hold uh, landlords, I'm one of those. Um, this has been a beautiful time in terms of leases because you know I lived through 08, 09, 10, 11, where lease prices were basically flat. Uh, and uh, now we're seeing lease price increases 10% and in some cases even more. So that's an, that's an exciting opportunity as well. And then we are seeing uh, a lot of opportunity as well when it comes to specifically to uh, some of these government programs. And I, I feel like I sound like a vulture who's like, you know, it's like 
starting to like, you know, slobber at some of these things, get really like into it. But, you know, what are we seeing right now? We're seeing uh, a lot of those COVID relief programs, those payment relief programs are going away. And it's not like they're just going away and, hey, you know, those two years of payments, just don't even worry about that. Like, you know, we got you. No, what are they saying now? No, now all of that is due. And a lot of people, most people, in fact, are not able to um, uh, uh, reinstate some of these back mortgages. So uh, we have seen in some markets, uh, for example, the Dallas market, as much as a 40% increase year over year in the number of uh, properties listed for foreclosure. So lots of interesting things happening in the market and uh, lots of twists and turns that make it uh, an exciting thing to be able to, to, to work through right now. So. Uh, I'm curious, uh, who in here is working on something? Who in here is working on a project? Who in here is working on a deal? Who in here is talking to a seller? You, you. Are either of you struggling or having some objections with the seller and need any help to kind of figure out what the next steps might be? Nope, you got it. How about you? You got it. Uh, okay, title, okay, title agency, yeah. Um, we've got uh, many of those. You'll find um, a pretty good list of vendors also on our uh, Texas RIA's Facebook page. Uh, so that's a great place to be able to find a lot of the great vendors that are part of this network. So um, uh, easy peasy. No one else. No one else is working on anything. Somebody's working on something. Somebody's working on something. Come on. You guys are just all really that shy. It's okay. Somebody's, somebody's like not sure about where to start or not sure about what to do next. Okay. Will you come up to this mic right here and we can talk about that? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. What is your name, sir? Hakeem. Everyone give Hakeem a round of applause as he comes up to this microphone over here. Hakeem, this microphone was created for someone who is about 5'2". Sorry about it's that. It's all right. <laughs> so tell me what you're working on right now. So right now I'm just looking into um, distressed property so I can um, fix and flip it. So okay. right now I'm just trying to build uh, my capital so that I can go into um, buying and holding. Okay. And um, definitely trying to do rental properties and then just kind of like building my equity and building my portfolio. Beautiful over the next few years. So that's Beautiful. basically my goal. So uh, uh, holding rental properties is what has made us about $20 million over the last almost 20 years. I can um, see what it can do. Yeah, <laughs> so. it can do some amazing things. Right. Um, um, I'm actually a fourth generation real estate investor. My great grandparents invested, my grandparents invested. Uh, my okay. parents still have about a dozen doors to this day, right. uh, including one that uh, uh, was purchased for 45000 that's now worth $1.5 million. Uh, yep. So those are some beautiful things that can happen uh, when it comes to real estate. So uh, tell me what you're doing looking for distressed properties. What does that look like for you? So right now, I actually went on Reddit, you know, the um, uh, real estate um, pages. I go on Facebook Marketplace. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I actually have the contacts of franchise owners or home investors. And franchise owners on what? Home investors. On home investors, yeah. So um, they look for, they buy um, distressed, prop, distressed properties, so I call yeah, them. Yeah, probably the only franchise <laughs> right. houses uh, in the industry that still has a little bit of legs. So, right. Yeah. 
and um, I've, I've just been looking everywhere, like Northwestern as well. Okay. So that, I've been really busy trying to find some. Uh, so how's far, that, I think how's I that have, working out? So far, so good. Um, okay. I've, uh, I'm in contact with one right now. Okay. And it's just properties trying to get rid of. So we're just kind of like working on the numbers. So. Okay. Yeah. So um, he's, how's the conversation gone? Um, he's a really busy guy. So we're lucky to get him on the phone. He's really busy. So <laughs> is he behind on payments or what's, what's his motivation? Um, he's just trying to get rid of it. Okay. Is he a landlord or is he a owner? No, he's, he owns the home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where is it going to go to next? Um, our conversation hasn't, hasn't gone that far yet. Okay. When that, the last time I spoke to him, we were on the phone for probably like five minutes. So okay. I'm trying to get that conversation going to get okay. more information out of him. So, so uh, when are you going over there for your appointment to go and see the house, do a walkthrough? Um, he agreed on this weekend. Okay. Yeah, okay. so okay. we'll see where it goes. Okay. Who are you going to take with you? I'm going by myself. I don't really You're going by it. yourself? Yeah. So you have a PhD in, in, in rehab? Rehab speak. No, just to, I just wanted to talk to him. Yeah. Just okay. to get to know him. Yeah. Okay. Who should you take with you? Um, probably a contractor, maybe um, an inspector. I would probably take a contractor. I don't know that I want to take an inspector per se. Okay. Uh, I mean, if it's your first deal, I probably had a few of my first deals inspected, but I think your contractor is going to be one of your best choices. Who else do you want to take with you? Uh, not sure, actually. Who else should uh, he bring with him to this appointment with this seller? A realtor. A realtor. Why do we want a realtor with us? Comps. So what do you want to tell the realtor to do before uh, he or she gets over there? Run comps. Yeah, uh, bring those pictures, right? So because, because how, the, the contractor is going to go over there and he's going to say, well, what do you want me to do? And you're going to say, well, I don't know. And then what you need to do is you need to point to the realtor and say, realtor, friend, right? Right. What is everyone else in this neighborhood doing? Like, does the, you know, I always like to ask, does, does the neighborhood have my favorite colors, granite and stainless steel, right? right? Uh, or is it a neighborhood where the old butcher block, you know, uh, countertops and the old wood uh, cabinets and the shag carpet, is it, it, it still sells over here. So that's what you want to know. Right. And those two people working together will help to create that scope of work that will tell you what that real rehab budget should be. And then, and then so you have the comps, you have the rehab budget. What do you, what do you want to do from, what do you want to do from there? So, um, basically to figure out what, um, the budget is for, to fix it and yep. figure out what the ARV is. Yep. And then what are you going to come up with? Um, I'm still working on. I've so, so, uh, 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 what's our, what's our investor offer? What's your investor offer? 120. What's the ARV? Do you know what the ARV is on the property or? Yes. So okay. the numbers I got, um, I actually spoke to the guy who owns the franchise. He helped, he helps, he helped me come up with the number. Okay. Um, the home as is was 120. Okay. To fix it on a high end is 45. Okay. And the ARV was 225. Okay, so 225 is the ARV. I think you should offer 112,500. Okay. okay. So if you don't already know this formula, especially on a house that has about a $225,000 ARV, 
Right. The uh, maximum allowable offer formula that a lot of investors use is 70% of the ARV minus repairs. Oh, 70% okay. of the ARV minus repairs. So you are going to offer another $12,500 over that. That's roughly half of your profit that you're going to be giving up if you don't use that investor formula. Um, and that also assumes that your 45 and renovation right. is correct, right? Right. Uh, so, and if it's not correct, and if you're off another, you know, twelve thousand dollars there, then basically you've just figured out what it's like to work for free. Right. Which I don't know about you guys, but that sounds terrible to me, right? <laughs> no kidding. So, yeah. so um, uh, typically we offer seventy percent of ARV minus repairs. So, if for example the ARV is two hundred. 70% mm -hmm. of 200 is 140. If the repairs are 50, then you would offer 90. Okay? Right. Uh, now, if you make that offer, typically you make somewhere between 10 to 15% of the ARV. So 10 to 15% of the 200,000 is somewhere between 20 and $30,000. So you can see why I said, like if you're overpaying by 12,000, then you've just cut your profits in half. Right. Right. And, and, and so, and, and your profit margin, that 10 to 15% of your ARV depends on your lending source. So if you're bringing a hard money lender that's charging you two to five points uh, plus 10 to 15%, typically you're going to make on the 10% side of that ARV, so 200,000. Right. But if you're bringing all of your own capital, meaning you have a low or no cost of capital, then you might be making up to um, you know, 15 and maybe even up to 18%. Uh, assuming that uh, your renovation budget comes in, on, you know, your renovation project comes in on time right. and on budget, right. said no one ever, ever <laughs> right? So especially on your first transaction. So, so uh, the way that you came up with that 45, if you've only had five minutes of conversation with the owner and you haven't actually gone to the property, how did you come up with that number? So that was the number he actually gave me on the phone. The owner gave it to yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. So that's... Yeah, I was planning on getting my own contractor just okay. to kind of see the home, just to okay. get a solid number. Okay, good, so yeah. So this is just for me to get to know the guy. What does this guy do for a living? I'm curious. Do you know? Uh, not really. No. Okay. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because um, sometimes when I talk to homeowners, they'll give me a, 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 a you know, what they think the repair budget is, right? <laughs> right. And, and that repair budget is basically like, well, if you laid carpet and tile and put up sheetrock and textured, floated and painted and re-roofed yourself, yeah, right. you're gonna come in at 45. And it's like, wonderful. It sounds like you have zero value of your time and you want to put that zero value of your time on my time, right? right. So I don't know if you're working a full-time job or not, but if you're working a full-time job, you may I not am. have the ability to go over there and spend nights and weekends right, and exactly. all of those different things. So, um, uh, but that's, that's fascinating that he already had a number. Do you know where he got that number from? Um, he said he had the house in inspected as well. He got his own contractor and all that. So okay, okay, that's a number okay. he came up with. So. Okay, okay. Well, I, I would just, you know, again, so sometimes I'll see people who say, well, this is what it's gonna take to kind of fix up the property. But sometimes that number could be what's called a make-ready number. A right. make-ready number works beautifully for a rental property. 
and make ready number works terribly if you're shooting for the highest ARV that's ever happened in that neighborhood, right? right. And I don't know where your 225 is but based on everything else in the neighborhood, but sometimes what I find is a lot of new investors will pick that highest ARV, but will pick a make ready repair budget. And what that means is either you're going to overspend to be able to get that ARV or you're gonna stick at that make ready repair budget, but when you put it on the market, you're gonna to have to lower your resale price because it's not commiserate with what that high ARV would get you. So right. that's why I want you to bring over some people who might be a little bit um, more experienced in coming up with that rehab budget right. and, and also having that realtor on board who can help you understand, here are the things that you've got to do if you wanna get that number. Right. So that's what I want you to uh, think about and consider. What else do we want them to consider? What else do we want them to think about? Location? Right. Yeah, so location is going to come out in the CMA, right? So hopefully you got a realtor who's giving you a CMA based on what's going on in that neighborhood. Now, some, um, some new investors and even some realtors make kind of what I would call the rookie mistake of of asking the question or, or doing a search in the MLS that basically says, show me everything that's sold within a half mile radius or a one mile radius of this property. Is that a mistake? Yes, I mean, it could go across railroad tracks, it could go across major highways, major right. roads, right? It could go into other neighborhoods. So make sure that those comps, that the location is correct. Make sure those comps are correct um, because you know, when, you know, when, when, sometimes I feel like when you're asking someone for that assistance and it, it's almost like giving, I have a, I have um, a teen, a 13 year old boy, right? And it's like, I gave him my credit card to go into the group, to go into the 7-Eleven to get something yesterday. And he came out with this $9 chip. Has anybody heard of this $9 chip? It's like this so hot. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So. So I'm like, you got a ch one chip that's $9. So, you know, when, when, when people are spending your money, right, uh, it's kind of, there, there's a lack of responsibility associated with that, right? right so right. so I, would, I would just make sure that they're doing, you know, you check their work. So, you know, I would say what's worse than, than bad advice and that's bad advice from a trusted expert. So make sure right. that you're looking at those comps as well. You're looking at where those comps are on a, on a map and you're asking the right questions uh, in terms of how they came up with that value, right? Yeah, that's what I've been working on the past few days. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And then you also mentioned funding, right? Right. Okay, so you wanna know how you can get all the funding you can possibly ha want or need? Get it from the seller. Right. Ask the seller to own or finance it to you. Ask the seller if you can take over their existing mortgage. That's probably one of the best ways to be able to uh, get that low cost of capital. Because if a hard money lender is charging somewhere between 12 and 15 percent, you're going to have one cost of capital versus if an owner is financing it to you at 8 to 10 percent versus if the owner is letting you take over their mortgage, which might, which might be at 2 to 5 percent. Right, which one of those is gonna land you making more money, right? The, 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 yeah. the last one. So right. I wanna make sure that you explore that as well. Now, um, you know, I, I do wanna say um, when it comes to hard money lending, 
you know, I'm not against hard money lending. I do hard money lending, right? So, right. Um, so don't think about what it costs you, think about what it makes you, but that's always the approach that I want every single person in this room to take because um, for me, I like to make a dollar holler and there's no better way to make your dollar holler than do it with owner financing. Right. Um, so, you know, I, so, so that would be my suggestion for you. You had a Thank question, you. yes, Sam. What, what is the incentive to the owner to uh, offer owner financing? Well, when you're buying something with owner financing, a lot of times I can now afford to do what? I can now afford to pay more because why? Because otherwise I would be giving a uh, points to my hard money lender. Otherwise I would be paying my hard money lender maybe 15%, right? Now could I share some of that back with the owner? And the answer is, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, and I'll just uh, pop up a slide on the screen. Thank you, I can appreciate that. I'll just uh, see if I can pop up a slide on the screen just to kind of give you an idea of what those numbers look like. So let me put this one up. So you can see here the monthly carrying cost, and let me change the screen view a little bit here. The monthly carrying cost, $15,000. Uh, so a big portion of that is that $10,500 at 14% interest. Plus, you paid close, uh, the, at the initial closing $4,500 for three points to be able to get that loan, right? So that's about $15,000 that you're paying a hard money lender. Now, what does, do you have to give all of that $15,000 to the owner? No. Uh, usually, it's somewhere between two, three, four thousand $4,000 that will make someone say, well, what were you saying again about, uh, about me financing it for you? Because now all of a sudden that sounds really a lot better that you can afford to pay me more money. So that's, that's one. What is another one? So another one might be the fact that um, if they're behind on their payments, what have they done to their credit in that time period? They've tanked it. So now when I'm coming in and I reinstate the loan, and now when I'm coming in, I'm making the payments on time every month because I've got skin in the game because I've reinstated the loan, I paid all the closing costs, and I'm also doing the renovation, right? So I'm unlikely to stop making payments, right? Um, at that point, as you're starting to make those payments, what happens to the seller's credit? It starts to build back up. It's pronounced, you're welcome, let's go, right? Uh, so, so we kind of explain some of those things that can make a big difference uh, in terms of being able to get that uh, financing going. And that is, uh, you know, that is a big, uh, that is a fairly big incentive to an owner who is otherwise, um, uh, who is otherwise looking at, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what are their options? So I always like to ask an owner, what are you gonna do with the money? What are they typically gonna tell you? Uh, the, a lot of times I'll say something funny like, I'm going to invest it. Wonderful. You can put it in the stock market, her, it lost 3% just Monday, right? Sounds like a super safe investment. How about instead, first lien position, so if I stop making payments, you can now do what? You can now foreclose on me, right? Higher interest than what you're, higher appreciation or interest than what you're getting in the stock market and no way for you to lose. Right, so so those are some bonuses, right? And that's one of the ways that you could explain that as a um, as an investor who's talking to an owner. Um, you can pay more. You can re you can improve their credit. Um, it just uh, it, it's a really a win win for everyone. And all the forms are Trek 
form. So there's an owner finance addendum, there's a, um, a loan assumption addendum, uh, it's all listed on even page one of the contract and then there are separate addendums that go after that. Uh, so lots of, lots of ways to be able to accomplish this. Now you do have to be at a title company who understands this. Uh, some title companies are only working, for example, with new builders. So all that they know are cash transactions and typical um, uh, uh, mortgage type transactions. So you do have to be with a title company who maybe lived through in a, you know, the 80s and or the 2008, 9, 10, 11, where the, a lot of these creative transactions were happening uh, in the first place. So great question. Thank you for asking that. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.